Welcome to The Gathering Pod, the audio version of my weekly gathering room broadcast. I'm Martha Beck. Ah, what a time to be alive, yeah? I have a friend who always says one of two things. <laughs> First is, things are going badly. I wish I'd never been born. And the second one is, if things are going well, what a time to be alive! I kind of feel both ways. Like, things are looking really weird, but it's such a time to be alive, right? Like, the history of now. We're going to look back on this if there's us to look back. You don't know. Anyway, the situation is volatile and unprecedented in the world in various ways. I mean, I'm glad we've got vaccines coming for COVID. It appears we're going to have a peaceful transition of power in the United States this week. But still, we had like a coup attempt on the Capitol building and more people, are, more Americans now, <clears throat> almost as many Americans have died from COVID as died in World War II. So it's not, not optimal in certain ways. And because of that, a lot of people are triggered. And as you know, if you live on the internet at all, triggered means that you have something in your past that you feel bad about. Like say you were deeply humiliated by your great uncle who had bright red hair. Later in your life, if you get into an argument with someone who happens to have red hair, you might get triggered because of the unhealed issues with that uncle and, and your reaction will be very strong. So right now, so many of us are getting triggered about so many things and it's very difficult to know what to say. Like going online like this, I, I talk to other people I know who live by presenting or writing or doing whatever and we're all sort of saying, how do I avoid the landmines? How do I avoid triggering? like everyone, <laughs> with every word I say. And I started to think about this after the, the riots. And I sat down with my family and we decided that there's so much political conflict, there's so much potential misunderstanding that we actually have to live from the center of our souls, not just when we're meditating or when we think of it, but like literally all the time. Like every word has to be right from the truest truth we have. That way, if it trips someone's trigger, at least we'll be doing it from the truest truth we have. And part of the truest truth we have is that if someone gets triggered, we don't need to explode back. We can say to them, what's going on? What is happening? Can we talk? So we are more likely to stay in peaceful situations. Of course, we can't do that unilaterally. But at least we'll know, as my friend Rhea used to say, that our, our side of the street is clean, okay? So we decided we're going to set out on this new thing. We're going to plan from the mystery. We're going to speak from the mystery. We're going to do every single action from our deepest sense of truth. So I set out to do this, and I've done it before. You know, I've, I've set my cap to do this a, a few times. And I did notice that still, throughout the day, I would periodically experience some form of sadness, fear, or anger. So a little bit of sadness, slight anxiety, that still counts as fear. I haven't had huge mood swings, but anytime I dip into any kind of suffering, I know that I'm, I've actually lost my center. I'm, I'm split between the truest part of me and another part of me that is scared or sad or angry. So then I was reading a book that is coming out by a former monk named Jay Shetty. He's a British-born 
um, guy who used to be a monk and now he's um, he's a coach, a motivational speaker. And his new book is called Think Like a Monk. And I'm asking you to pre-order it because it's really, it's got a lot of great stuff in it. And pre-orders are a wonderful thing for an author. So um, Think Like a Monk is a terrific book. And one of the things that Jay says in that book is that as a monk, he learned to do something he called spot, stop, swap. So every time he experienced suffering, he knew, oh, I, I got to spot this. There's something in here that's not living, coming from the, my truth. So he would stop. Then, oh, so he'd spot it. Then he'd stop whatever he was thinking or doing that wasn't in alignment with his true self or the mystery in him. And then he would swap it out for a thought or an action that was based in his truest soul, which to me is the same as the mystery. It's just another word for higher self, for the divine, for whatever. So I started to do this and I started spotting and stopping and swapping. And it's a really fun practice for me because I've done things like it a lot. And I noticed that whenever I was suffering, I was out of the mystery and into my history which people like Jay and I love to come up with catchy phrases to make us remember our spiritual practice. So mine is, when you're in your history, you're not in the mystery. And by history, I mean our personal stories of what happened to us. And our stories of what happened to us and what should happen to us and what is going to happen to us in the future, most of our thoughts are tied up in that. It's the story or set of stories we always tell about ourselves. And we do it collectively as well. And I noticed this, you know, right after the riots, um, President-elect Biden stood up and he said, this is not America. This is not America. And I thought, and, and one of my friends said, with deep respect, I disagree, this is America. I think Roe wrote that, was that you? Yes, Roe wrote that down with the deepest of respect for the country and for the president-elect. This is America, look at the TV, this is what's happened. And if you look at the facts of the American culture from its beginning, there was always white supremacy. It was always built on the backs of oppressed peoples and, and racially oppressed groups. And it is, it's not what we want America to be. That's coming from the mystery. But to say that's not who we are, that's just to keep the story alive when it doesn't fit the facts. And if you're on the other side of the political divide, I read something in the New York Times today about a woman who flew from a different state to be part of that riot. And she said she flew in for a cause she thought was just and, and patriotic. And when she got there, she said it was so strange. People were doing things that were violent and destructive. And she said, I'm starting to believe that couldn't really have been us. It must have been Black Lives Matter or Antifa. Okay, sorry, I just have to try to collect myself. Somehow she went with a mob of people waving American flags and white supremacist slogans and managed to turn them into Black Lives Matter when she didn't like what they did. Her story is that she's always doing the peaceful patriotic thing. The truth, the reality of the situation was that what was happening there with the people that she thought were good people was not good. So when our history isn't true and what is not, and sorry, when our history doesn't align with what is really happening, the story 
starts to break away from our sense of reality and we immediately get a signal from our psyche, from our soul, to warn us to get back in the truth. And that signal is suffering. So we feel anger, sadness, we feel some form of emotional suffering. So spot it. If you are feeling any form of suffering, spot that. Where are you feeling the suffering? Where are you telling a story that says things shouldn't be like this, but they are in reality? So anything that goes in the face of your cherished belief is going to cause you to try to hang on to that story. And this is where you have to stop. You have to just flat out stop. Here's the story. Everything in America is always great or everything. And I'm always a kind, compassionate person. Yet I'm feeling angry because I just screamed at my kids. Okay, the story that I am always a good person is what's getting in the way of the truth. And I have to stop it. So the way you stop a story is in the middle of your suffering, you get calm. You spot the area where you're feeling the suffering. You breathe. In fact, that's one of the ways um, Jay Shetty, along with every other person I've ever talked to who practices some sort of um, spiritual discipline, says breathe out slowly to a count of four. Sorry, breathe in first. Hold it for a count of four and then breathe out to a count of four or more. This will calm your nervous system. And then say, I may be wrong. Once you have spotted that there is suffering in your life, in your psyche, go to the place where it hurts and say, where might I be overriding what's happening with my story of what's happening? So one of the first things the Wayfinder coaches learn in my coach training is to say to someone in whatever language, please tell me where I'm not getting things right. Please show me where I'm wrong. And that is a prayer that I pray every single day to the divine. Show me where I'm wrong. Let me accept that I'm any of my beliefs, even my most deeply held beliefs in my history may be wrong. And they're keeping me from the mystery, from living in the truth of the moment as it flows out. So once you see where you're wrong, like that poor lady who was in the right might say, no, let, let me look at the tapes. That actually is, those are my friends. And what they're doing is not in agreement with my core principles. And that's going to present her with a really hard decision. She's going to have to choose whether to go with the story that everybody in her group is good or step into the mystery away from everything solid and say, I've just recognized that something was off my line of truth and I can't go with that crowd anymore to the place where they're going. I have to go into my truth, into the mystery. So just stop, breathe, look at what's happening, say, where am I resisting what is? Where can I surrender my falsehood, the falsehood of my history to the truth of the ongoing mystery of just perception? When Ro and I make our podcast, which we've been taking a maternity break from. But we talk about how the way people think is coming to consensus. Everybody agrees. Okay, so we're all right. Good. We all agree with each other. Consensus. But nature and the mystery and the divine want us to come to our senses. So coming to consensus versus coming to our senses. You drop out of the consensus of the people around you and of your own story and you drop into what's happening right now. And you may have to surrender huge chunks of what you believed about your own history 
in order to regain the mystery. But the reward when we do that is so strong. I've really, really been practicing this this week. And I've seen so many places and I've had it called to my attention when I was, I was doing something that was not ideal. Sometimes I was suffering from it. Sometimes I was causing someone else to suffer and they would you know, disagree with me and that would cause me to be upset and I have to look at what I needed to give up out of my history. And as I gave up hope that my story was playing out the way I wanted it to, I started to notice that the mystery is unrolling a story that is far more interesting, far more powerful, far more, more gratifying. Um, it was Joseph Campbell who said, we, we must give up the life we had planned in order to have the life that is waiting for us. And it's it can be the simplest thing, you guys. I'm just going to end this part and then open for questions with this one little story. Um, I wanted to get things ready for my work from some things I was doing in work, our fabulous practical wayfinding course that is going on right now. And I had some work set aside and I started to hear the baby fussing in the other room. Now, I had that time off. It wasn't my baby shift at all. But hearing the baby cry makes me want to run in and like comfort that baby. But I could hear in the other room. Okay, so that was it. There's a very strong story in me that says, I go and take care of babies who are suffering. Even if they happen to be, you know, 60 years old, I will run and take care of anyone who is crying. I've gotten into trouble a lot that way. And I thought, okay, wait, wait, wait. That's my story, but it's causing agitation and anxiety. Fear <clears throat> can't be true. Not in the mystery. So I stopped. I calmed it down. And I thought, what's the truth and what could I swap? What truth can I swap for my story? And what I heard when I listened was Ro taking care of the baby by going, shh, 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 shh. Now, I, she was doing other things. She was rocking her. And, but what I heard was, shh, 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 shh. And I remembered that the reason that sound calms babies, and, and I know this because we had an ultrasound machine when Ro was pregnant, we'd, we'd look for the baby's heartbeat, which sounds like this. But the first thing you pick up typically is the mother's heartbeat. And the mother's heartbeat is going. It's the rush of blood through the veins. That sound tells the baby you are safe in your mother's womb and her heart is beating. It's slowing down. Everything's okay. Everything's okay. And I thought, isn't it fascinating that all over the world, when people are hurt and others come to comfort them, if somebody's been in an accident or physically injured or they're emotionally traumatized, what we do is we put our arms around them and we go, And all over the world, people are telling each other, the heart of the great mother is still beating. You still live inside her body. You are cared for, you are safe. That's the mystery. That's the story from the mystery. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And there with the baby still crying, I dropped out of my story, out of my history, into the mystery and found myself in this benevolent world where I feel with all every cell in my body that we are 
in the body of the Great Mother, and she is always telling us it's going to be okay. Hello, the lovely peoples. This is Marty, Martha, inviting you to a free masterclass that I have made called Five Paths to Your Purpose. Probably the most common question I get from people is, how do I find my purpose? Why don't I feel that I'm on purpose? Well, it turns out there are certain things you have to do to find your purpose, and I broke them down into five, and I made a little masterclass about it. So if you'd like to see it, just go to marthabeck.com slash purpose, and you will be able to watch it without any charge at all. So, Christina asked, and I'm looking at the questions already, say more about swapping. And you're right, I didn't signal that when I went through. When you drop your history, your story, you say, tell me where I'm wrong. And then you come to your senses, you look around at what's actually happening. That's the swap. So, President-elect Biden could say, that's not our, that's not America. Wait, no. Calm down. That story doesn't match the facts. What's the truth? America has always had an incredibly deep and vicious racist element, and it's in the fabric of what we are, and we want to get it out. Okay, Whew. that's the real, that's the story that we swap for. The story that's in front of us as we look at what's happening in Washington. Um, when I swapped, my story is I rushed to heal and rescue people for, wait, let me see what's actually happening. I saw that something else was taking care of that baby. Something else was taking care of all the people I loved. And it came in because I didn't rush ahead on my story. I, I stopped, I spotted my anxiety, I stopped, and then I swapped my story of I am the rescuer for I get to be, I'm just, I'm just listening. The story that came in was, the story that swapped for was, oh my goodness, we're always calming each other with that sound. We all, and it's real and it's true. So that's what you swap it for, the coming to your senses. You drop the consensus and you come to your senses. That's the swap. Laura says, it sounds like the serenity prayer in practice. Indeed it is, as is every fabulous spiritual practice. That is just one hell of a prayer, I have to say. God grant me the, what is it? The serenity to accept what I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That's that's something you can always use to step out of your history and it will put you right squarely in the mystery. So um, Elise says, or Elisa says, can you elaborate on your step-by-step -step process when you're triggered? So I was talking about triggering other people and I wanted to not do that. When I get triggered, I notice it the moment my witness mind observes suffering. So if I'm in the suffering, for example, if I get really angry and I'm just like, there's no distance between me and my the painful emotion. If it goes on long enough, I'll get tired or I'll hurt someone's feelings or I'll just start to feel toxic and separated from my real self. And at that point, the triggering is under my control because I can witness it. And that's the spotting. It's the compassionate witness saying, I spot you negative emotion. There's gotta be a step away from the mystery here. You're not in your senses. Come on, come back to the truth, come back to the truth. Then you, then it's about stopping the system of thought that is bringing you the pain. And with triggering, it would be like, 
that red-headed man is out to get me. And I'd be like, stop it. Wait, look, okay, let's see what's really true. He's not aggressive. I just always got upset or by people with red hair. This is hypothetical, by the way. Um, okay, stop, stop. And then swap it for, what is this man actually doing? He's actually not doing anything harmful to me, this red-headed man in my, hypo my hypothesis, my hypothetical situation. And then I can settle down and I can swap my triggered image for the image of the person who's actually in front of me. So the next time somebody makes you angry, they're probably triggering a memory or a story that you have about you're not being good enough. When you stop that and you start looking at the facts, what did he actually say? He didn't say you look fat in that. He said, I love the way those other pants uh, fit on you or whatever it is, you know, it does. It could be any little thing that gets us triggered. If we come back to the truth of the situation, very frequently the other person is not trying to harm us as much as we think they are or the situation is more benevolent than we think it is. So that's what you do when you're triggered. So Donna says, how do we get to the point of realizing our history is false? Well, you just keep comparing it with reality. And you also ask people, Donna, I think you're in the coach training. So one of the things we do is you, when we're coaching someone, we'll say something like, you seem upset. It feels like there's tension in your shoulders. Am I right about that or am I wrong? Tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me where I'm wrong. And then they say, no, you're wrong. That tension is in your shoulders. I was, I was actually feeling really happy. And then you go, oh, thank you for informing me. And there's a little bit of ego where some people would say, no, I can see it in you. You are tense. We try to get calm and listen and use all our senses, come to our senses to see the truth of the person in front of us. And it may be that we still feel like we've got the right call, but it may be that they're, they've got the right call and we're wrong. You do that a few times a day, you start to get a really loose grip on all your beliefs. If you meditate and you really scrutinize every thought that gives you suffering, you will realize none of it is true. And you go deeper and deeper, you realize that nothing that can be summed up in language is absolutely true. Nothing we think is complex enough to completely describe reality as a, to a total whole. So nothing we think is adequate to describe our full reality. And when you stop believing what you think, Eckhart Tolle says, here is a spiritual practice. Don't take your thoughts so seriously. The moment you start to realize that even the thing you most deeply believe may be, true, may be untrue, you're free. You're free to believe it or to not believe it as you come to your senses. You look at what's in front of you. Okay, Alexa says, how do I manage my need to not stay silent so I'm not complicit in triggering family and friends? I try to never dis sorry, never dehumanize, but I'm afraid I've become white noise. How do I manage my need to not stay silent? So my need to speak out, that would be. Um, we're gonna do it by the numbers, okay, Alice? Elise? Um, feel the urge. To, to shout out, to not stay silent. Oh my God, I have to say something. Get into that feeling, spot it. Is that a comfortable feeling? Is that flowing through the mystery to you? Does that have the same emotional frequency as a calm summer meadow or a beautiful glacier or a, a quiet sea? Is this bringing you hope, gladness, peace? Is it calming your body? If it's not, 
then you've stepped out of the mystery and you're living in a story. And your story says, I must speak out. That may be true, but if it's causing disturbance, it may not be true. So before, there was one guy who said, before you speak, make sure that whatever you have to say is an improvement upon silence. This was an Indian yogi. Uh, he said that, and then he didn't speak for 19 years. <laughs> when he did, it was really good. Um, but you feel like you've got to speak. That's your story. That's your history. And it's not, you know, from experience in the past that you've triggered people with that. Now, that may be their problem, not yours. It may be true that you need to speak out. I've certainly felt that at times. And I think we've all, we all feel the need to speak out in, in favor of what we feel is most true and beautiful. So get really calm. If it's a falsehood, spot the falsehood and stop it. And the way you stop it is by not saying, how can I make everyone at ease instead of upsetting them? It's by going in and saying, why am I so anxious that I need to talk about this? What's my anxiety? Go deeper, go deeper. I can fix everybody or I need people's attention or nobody ever listens to me. It's my time. Whatever your story is, if it's pushing you into places that cause suffering, you need to step out of the history and into the mystery. And the way you do that, you swap your story. I've got to speak for the mystery, which is often found in silence. And you look at your loved ones and you listen to them and you realize that by staying silent, you can allow the flow of energy in the room to do what it wants to do. And you can become a compassionate witness to everyone there. And the mere presence of a compassionate witness who says nothing is incredibly powerful. It's one of the reasons therapy works so well. Just a compassionate witness who listens more than they talk. So that may be the way out of that for you. Same thing. And you will not become white noise. What you say will be important. Nate, hello, Nate. He's, my computer is showing me tiny, tiny print. Nate says, how do we focus on the message of the riots from Black Lives Matter, Antifa, Republicans, Democrats, white supremacists, and everyone else instead of focusing on their actions? The message is what needs to be heard and focused on and helped. Actually, Nate, I would say that the message as it's spoken in words is often just a, a chosen story. And it's usually a story of persecution. You know, I was raised in a church where we were taught that our we were basically made up of persecuted pioneers who were chased away from the early United States into what was then the Utah Territory because we were just we were just so righteous and so persecuted and so humble and innocent. That church now has something like $130 billion in assets. And still the culture, from what I hear from people, loved ones who are still living in it, is still that we're just poor, humble, persecuted pioneers. So that's our story. That's our message. That may be our message. Or your message may be whatever your indoctrination is. What I think we need to do is come to our senses, get out of that story, get into the truth, get into, I feel what's in your heart. Like if, if you could, if I could be a big enough person to really get calm and I've watched spiritual masters do this, have somebody screaming in their faces. It's actually happened to me a couple of times too, but I've seen other people do it much more impressively. Somebody's screaming at them and all they're projecting is I see you, I hear you. 
I see you, I hear you, but I'm not hearing the message you're screaming as loudly as I'm hearing that you are frightened and broken and angry and suffering. And that can't feel good. And you and they're just present with it. And ultimately the person will talk themselves out or not, but more often than not in the presence of a stillness like that, they'll come into the truth of their own experience. They'll get out of the story and just be in pain. And then they start to cry, which is um, what does, what does Tennyson say? So runs my prayer. But what am I, an infant crying in the night, an infant crying for the light and with no language, but a cry. Like underneath it all, there's that cry of the hurting child that's been fed whatever history. And if we can hear the, the crying child within ourselves and love that, if we can let the mystery love that, then it generates to other people as well. So yeah, listen to other people, but don't just listen to their messages. Listen to their hearts. Listen to their experience. Listen to the feelings that come with it. Um, and finally, Jody says, when I focus on trying to be more relaxed and playful, I fear drifting into numbness where I'm not connected to the truth, but avoiding what I want. How do I notice when I'm drifting out of perpetual creative response and into distractedness or numbness? You will notice it by the numbness. <laughs> it's always suffering that wakes us up. And numbness, boy, numb is the worst suffering I've ever had. Honestly, numb, several years of depression, numbness was worse than the grief that came when I finally broke out of the numbness. So numbness is suffering. So is sorrow. So is all the negative emotions we've been talking about. So don't worry. If you drift off into a story that's not in the mystery for you, suffering will remind you it'll poke you and wake you up and if you don't wake up it'll poke you harder and then it will punch you and then it will start punching you very hard and eventually you'll go wait wait i just spotted it something's pulled me out of my mystery and into my history i gotta get out of the story because i spotted it now stop it stop telling that story whatever this story is that makes me run to get myself numbed makes me do all these things to deaden myself come back into right now, into whatever sorrow or fear I might be feeling, but deeper, deeper, what's happening around me. I'm in a comfortable room. Everything's okay. I'm not, you know, nothing, a bear is not actually in the room right now. I'm not starving to death right now. And that's all that's available for the senses ever in nature, in the mystery. It's always present. And then you will hear from somewhere, from the wind, from the trees, from the water, from the rain, you will hear the heart of the mother is still beating around you. You are held within the mystery as loved as an unborn baby. It's okay. We're safe. It'll be all right. And from there, you take your next step into the mystery. So I, I intend to keep practicing this all week, and I hope you guys get some good out of it too. Until we next meet on The Gathering Room. Thank you for being here. Mwah, 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 mwah. I love you. It's a bewildering moment to be alive. That's why Martha Beck, me, and Rowan Mangan, me, created Bewildered, the wildly successful podcast for people trying to figure it out. 
Most of us are trying to fit society's expectations about how we should live, which is stressful and confusing. On Bewildered, we look at topics like perfectionism, what it means to have enough, anxiety, and creativity to see where the culture may be pushing us all away from the lives that truly fulfill us. If you're bewildered, if you want to think and you love to laugh, come join us. For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. Uh, A few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025. But I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass. And we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star.